Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. If uh, you don't know who I am, I want to take a second to introduce myself because I think introductions are important. Uh, like, why would you care what I have to say if you don't know who I am? And I'm not just the guy who got on the stage about like three minutes ago and started screaming at you. I am Jason. Uh, so I, I work, I work with the, the youth around here. I work with grades 5th through 12th. That means uh, Brooke and Noah and Lily and Colin. And, uh, anyway, I, I could probably keep doing that. The, the students here, they're, they're my kids. And before I had kids, I used to call them my kids. And now that I have children, you're just kids that I have to work with. So I endure them. I love you. I'm kidding. Um, so I get to work with, with those students, and that's, that's one of the ama- most amazing blessings in my life. The fact that God would entrust me with the lives of young people is, has just been amazing, and I get to do that here. I also work with missions here at Freedom Valley Church. Um, I head up our short-term missions opportunities. Uh, we've gone to the Dominican Republic, to West Virginia, to uh, Tanzania. Uh, well, we're going to Tanzania. We haven't gone there yet, but we're going to Tanzania in July. Uh, we've got a team of about 10 people signed up for that trip, and, and I know short-term missions changes the world, so getting to do that and getting to travel like that has been an amazing thing. And, and this has nothing to do with my sermon. I haven't said it yet, but when we're in Tanzania, I didn't realize this because I guess I'm not a student of the world. It's like we're going to be like within line of sight of Mount Kilimanjaro, and like it, on my bucket list is, is, is climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So I'm like... Maybe. I don't, we'll have to see. Uh, it, it's a big mountain, and I'm out of shape. So, so we're looking in. <laughs> I'm looking into it, and, um, and I'm just, I, I love getting to work here. I, I love having fun. I've got a, a beautiful wife who uh, works in FV Kids Ministry, and she's not in here, so I can say amazing things about her, and it's not even bragging. She, she works so hard. She's an amazing mom, three kids. Uh, she, she started working as uh, one of the FV Kids pastors on the team staff here. And it just gives so much to the young people back there and kids. And then I've got three amazing children, uh, Hero, Link, and Rue. Uh, Rue is a girl. Hero and Link are boys. I don't know if the name's made that obvious. Uh, but, but they're four, three, and one and a half. And they are great. They're, they're, like, amazingly bright and smart and funny. They're so funny. And, and I love my kids. And, and now you know everything you need to know about me, Okay. So now I need to, to learn some things about you. So, so everybody at once, this is how we're going to do this, because we don't have time for everybody to get their own moments. So, so what's your name? I, I said everybody at once. What's your name? Good, I caught all that, I promise. And um, where do you work? Everybody at once, this is call and response. What, where do you work? Cool, perfect, perfect. Now I know enough to really, we got a relationship. There's a rapport going on now, right? And, and look at the person next to you and say, he didn't hear me. I, I didn't hear you. I, I'm a, I'll be honest. It's church. We can be honest, right? I didn't hear you. And I'd love to get to know you, but, but I think it's important that, that maybe you know me. And introductions matter. Um, and if I've met you before and you come up to me, if you could do me a favor and just introduce yourself again. <laughs> it doesn't matter how long I've known you. Just be like, hey, it's... And then say your name. Like, and I'll be like, oh, I know. And we'll both pretend that I knew. And it'll be great. And then I won't be as embarrassed as I'm sure I will be when I can't remember your name. Uh, so, 
So today we're in week five of a sermon series we've been doing here at Freedom Valley Church. And while I believe it's important for you to know my name so that you can get the most out of this message, I also think that it's important that you acknowledge and you know that here at Freedom Valley Church, we preach in series. That means multiple messages that connect to each other through a theme. We do series every month here at Freedom Valley Church. Uh, we do a month-long series usually. Occasionally, they get interrupted or changed because uh, we're not going to be held to a system. We're going to use the system to, to follow where God leads us. So uh, this series was actually only supposed to be four weeks. <clears throat> and sorry, I'm going to have to cough a little bit. Uh, just I screamed earlier. Uh, so I'm a little ADD. That's another thing I didn't tell you about myself. I get distracted really easy really easy. So if I get distracted throughout this message, just know that's me using the neat, unique gifting that God has given me to be distracted. That's, I, I got I to gotta walk in how I was called. So, you know, that's me. Anyway, so first week of the series, I preached. Uh, the message was called In His House. It was about an individual named Samuel who was actually raised in God's house. He was brought into God's house, lived every day there in his house, but never heard a message from God. Spent every day just in God's house and didn't hear a message until one day he encountered God. Every day up to that had been just another day in God's house. Then he encountered God and everything changed. And it was never again just another day in his house. God continued to speak to him. And that's what he can do with us if we'll allow him. You can have a moment and it's never just another Sunday again. It's a totally new experience. And a part of that message, we had our home group fair. Who here joined a home group this semester or you're in a home group? Raise your hands high. Be proud. See my home group people, you should be like, there was one, a person over here, they're in a home group. The rest of us were quietly in home groups. But home groups are amazing. I, I have a whole new group of people in my home group, and it's just, it's been wonderful getting to know each other, sharing life, praying for one another, um, having moments where, where I, like, we're just filled with tears, and we're crying, and, and I dry my tears, and everybody else says, Jason, why are you crying? And and it's fun. No, it's, it's really deep going to the next level. And we go beyond just Sunday every week. And if you want to go deeper in your faith, find a home group to get plugged into. Then week two, Candace preached. <clears throat> Man, I really shredded my throat on that one. I think it was. <sighs> Candace preached a sermon called Flip the Tables, where she explained that Jesus went into the temple and saw things out of place. And he flipped the tables. And now our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if there's something out of place in our lives, it's our responsibility to go no longer. Flip the tables. Disrupt everything. It's not convenient, easy, slow, methodical. It's everything's got to change, and it has to change now because he said so. And we talked about that and how if you're going through the motions in your faith, maybe it's because there's something God has called you to disrupt and you're unwilling to change it. And as long as you won't change it, things will stay the same. And every Sunday will be just another Sunday. Thanks, Halloween. And then week three, what do we do when God says no? Oh, I got the lozenge already in my mouth. But thank you. Uh, what do we do when God says no? How do we deal with that? And we talked about the life of David, where he wanted to build a house for God. He wanted God to, to have a home like he had a home. And God says, oh, that's really cool. No. And then David had to deal with the fact that what he wanted to do for God, God didn't want him to do. So he had to take the fact that God said no. And I, I've acknowledged in my life some areas where God has said no. He says, I shouldn't sing on stage. You know, that's fine. But when he says no to us, what is he saying yes to? Candace preached a master class on how to deal with the fact that sometimes the answer we get from God is not the answer we want from God. 
but he is still God. So what do we do when he says no? And we look for the yes. And then last week, Pastor Jerry preached a sermon called Never Ever Neglect. You see, because too many people too often are so easy to give up on meeting together. Because let's be honest, it's inconvenient. My couch is, is comfortable. And these blue chairs, as, as cushy as they are, they're not as comfortable as my couch. And it's way easier to just disappear into ourselves when we're challenged. To just back off and not encourage one another, not challenge one another to stay in the faith and stay connected to God. So we can never neglect. And that message really encourages us that we need to encourage each other in the hope of Jesus Christ. And in that way, it's never just Sunday. It's life that we live together. You know, there was a study put out a while back that says the average believer, the average person who says, I go to church, when they ask how often, the answer was once every six weeks. And that meant I'm a regular church attendee if I go once every six weeks. I wouldn't call myself a regular, like, gym attendee if I went once every six weeks, even though that would be one more time than I'm currently doing. But, but I wouldn't consider myself an athlete if I went to the gym once every six weeks. So why do we consider ourselves connected to God if we only go once every six weeks? You want to make it not just another Sunday? Fill the month with Sundays. Then you can go deeper. Then you can go wider. And then you can have a real relationship. And that's where our sermon series was supposed to end, with that final encouragement of staying together. It's actually a great place to end that series because it says, we've said how to get the most out of it. Now never stop getting the most out of it. And that's why we cultivated that way and grew it that way. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, God spoke to my heart and said, you got to add one more. And he gave me a, a message and a passage that I believe was directly from him and directly for individuals. And there, as you hear it, it will be God's word, so I can't tell you what it will speak to your heart. But I can tell you if you'll open yourself up to God's word, he will tell you exactly what you need to hear, and it won't be necessarily what I am going to say. That's the power of God's word. He will speak to your heart if you'll open yourself up to him. So we're going to open up the Bible today to 1 Corinthians 3. Um, if you have a paper Bible with you, i got to let you know we're doing the Passion Translation today. I like the way a few of the verses read in this translation for, for this, this message. So uh, we're going to have on the screen the Passage Translation, the Passion Translation. We're going to go with that. But uh, let's, let's pray to open things up so that God speaks to our hearts. Are you ready? Let's do it. Heavenly Father, communicate as only you can. I ask that the Holy Spirit would open up these scriptures to us so that we can see you and only you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this passage is written to a dysfunctional church, a church that is at each other's throats, that is struggling, and this, this chapter and this book is written to a church that's struggling in walking out their faith properly by a man named Paul. All right, so let's jump right into it. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I found it impossible to speak to you as those who are spiritually mature people. For you are still dominated by the mindset of the flesh. And because you are immature infants in Christ, I had to nurse you and feed you with milk. Not with solid food of more advanced teachings, because you weren't ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready to be fed solid food. For you are living your lives dominated by the mindset of the flesh. Ask yourselves, is there 
jealousy among you? Do you compare yourselves with others? Do you quarrel like children and end up taking sides? I, I told you I work with teenagers, and if you want to see people taking sides, where, stop laughing because you, you don't know who I'm talking. You, you want to see people taking sides, look at a youth ministry. The minute there's a fight, everybody picks a side. Like they are, they are like, like that. Like they had decided before the day happened whose side they'd be on. And they will fight tooth and nail for their friend, even if they know their friend is wrong. And they, feet down, not moving, they took sides. But adults, we don't do that, right? That doesn't, that doesn't happen in our workplaces. We, we, we would never take the side of someone over someone else just because they're our friend. That's not, we don't, no, 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 no. We don't do that in the church. That doesn't happen. I've never heard of a church splitting up down the middle. That just doesn't happen. It absolutely does. And of course, we have these problems. And he's saying, if you do these things, you're immature. And he says, do you quarrel like little children and end up taking sides? If so, this proves that you are living your lives centered on yourselves, dominated by the mindset of the flesh and behaving like uh, unbelievers. Behaving like unbelievers. And Paul's saying to these immature babies, you know, acting like babies, throwing their tantrums, picking their fights, he says, you got milk? got milk? You filled up with milk? We just had three, three kids go through the nursing process. And let me tell you something I learned from that very hard and difficult process of my wife having to take care of the kids as they were, they were, they were fed milk. Kids are always hungry. Right? Right, Mel? Always hungry. It just doesn't stop. Every four hours. And they want more. And they want more. And it's like, dude, I just fed you. Why do you, like, you know what? As an adult, as a mature Man, you know what I did last Sunday? I ate one cheeseburger. That was it all day. I had a cheeseburger. Because I'm mature. And I, I take care of myself. I had a cheeseburger. That was it. But my kids, they're like, they want three meals a day. They're like, expect me to feed them. It's ridiculous. But babies, they, they always want more. They're never satiated. And they can eat, man. They just fill up and fill up. And they're always growing. Like, what is that? That's what children do. They get more milk. But you know what happens? We start to think we're fine with just one cheeseburger a day. Or heck, only one meal a week, that'll be enough, right? And, and you know what we slide back into? Immaturity. And I, have a, I developed a little quiz here. I think I'm thinking about selling it to BuzzFeed. Um, you might be immature if. So are you ready? Let's be honest with one another. I'm not going to make you raise your hands because I don't want anybody to be called out for any of these things. But you might be immature if you have to set five alarm clocks. Anybody? Any of the teenagers being honest? 6 o'clock, 6.05, 6.10. Wake up, you're going to be late. Like, like, if you have to set five, you might be a little immature. All right, that's not me. I just am late. Keeping going. You might be immature if you have, to have, you have had cereal for dinner more than twice this week. Anybody? Okay, then I'm going to put my, my hand down. I don't want to be laughed at. I didn't have cereal twice. It, it's, it's quick, and I'm good at it. You put 50% milk, 50% cereal. You can't mess it up, right? Unless you do which I have. All right, so you might be immature if you see a sign that says do not touch and you touch it. 
That's me. Like wet paint. I always got to test to see how wet it is. And sometimes it's wet enough that I get the paint on my jeans. I don't own a pair of jeans, by the way, that don't have paint or holes in them because I am still a child. Continuing. You might be immature if you spend more of your time doodling than taking notes. That's me too. I can sketch a cube really well. Like just all over my notes, I'm drawing little circles and cubes and squigglies and and stuff like that. That's just me. Listen, if it's not you, maybe you're more of a chairman than me. Here's another one. You might be immature if you can't stop talking about others. You might be immature if every time you take your shoes off, you kick them across the room into the shoe pile. Like, like I've gotten pretty good. Like, I can do it over the bed. <laughs> Lands right where it's supposed to go. Don't have to put it away. You might be immature if you blame others for your mistakes. You might be immature if you keep you lie to keep yourself out of trouble. You might be immature if there's still jealousy among you. You might be immature if you quarrel like little children taking sides. And if you're immature in any way, what does Paul tell us we need? Milk. And what is milk? It's God's word. And let me tell you, if you struggle with immaturity in any area of your life, the ones that are listed here or other areas, get milk. Get in God's word. Read it more. You cannot consume enough. An infant wants more and more and more. And once they're full, four hours later, you know what? They need more. They're not waiting. They're going to cry and scream and kick until they get what they need. And what we need is more of his word. Maybe you're a little bit more mature in your faith. And you've been around a while. And you feel like you've got some answers. You know what you need? You need more milk. You need to read God's word more. You cannot have enough of it. You cannot be satisfied in it. You have to get more of it. And then if you're, you're ready for some more advanced teachings, like you want to chew on the meat, you know what you need more of? You need some milk on the side so you can stay full up so you're ready to handle that other food. Don't ever think you've moved on past the basics or on past his word. I don't need his word. I just do extra biblical teaching. No, 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 no. You need it, and you need it daily, and you need it often. And in some seasons of your life, you're going to need more of it than others. A child will go through growth spurts, and man, they eat and they eat and they eat. Do not let yourself stop until you've got enough of his word. One thing I've noticed working with teenagers is they're never satisfied with the stage of life they're in. They are always looking to the next season. This is what children do. They don't focus on where they are. They focus on where they want to be. And they don't master the stage of life they're in, and they end up moving on too early. I've got, I've got seniors who are like, I'm just ready to be out of the house. And I'm like, really? Do you, do you do your own laundry? Nah? Okay, you're not ready. Do you, do you pay all your bills? Well, they pay my cell phone and my car insurance, but, but I pay for my food. No, you're not ready. Master the stage of life you're in. And be okay with the stage of life you're in. A lot of people, when they hear that, that passage, you're just an immature believer and you just need milk, they go, no, I'm not, and they rebel against it instead of going, yeah, okay, yeah, no, I, I, I need more. And you know what? I'm here to tell you I'm an immature believer who needs more milk in my life. So if, if you're sitting here going, I don't need any more, I do, and I'm not ashamed to say it because the day I outgrow my need for Jesus is the day that I'm standing next to him so saturated by his presence in heaven. And you know what's going to happen on that day? I'm going to ask for more. Get milk. Get fed. If you're eating one meal a week, you're starving yourself. If you want to go beyond just Sunday, do it. If you want 
to never have another Sunday, just another Sunday, get in his word. Get milk and grow. We're going to move on because Paul does in verse 4. For when you divide yourselves up into groups, he's talking about the unhealth in the Corinthian church. When you divide yourselves up into group, a Paul group and an apostles group, you're acting like people without the Spirit's influence. You see, Paul was putting his finger on a problem here in the, the Corinthian church. In the chapter 1 of First Corinthians, uh, Corinthians, he actually says, why are you quarreling? Some saying I follow Paul, some saying I follow Paul, some saying I follow Peter. They were fighting over the individual teachers, and this was actually calling, causing divisions in the church. And you see, they were fighting over their favorites. They were fighting over their favorites, the, the things they liked, the, 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 the one that they preferred. They were, they were fighting over their favorites, and they were saying, you know, I really like Peter because he's the leader of the church, and I really like Paul because I met him, and I really like Apollos because he's still here. And, and you know, I, I told you the importance of introductions at the beginning of this message, and I believe that you should know who communicates here at Freedom Valley Church. And if it's your first week and, and you're like, I don't really like this guy, he's weird and yells and makes fun of himself, and, and that's, that's totally good, I get that. I got news for you. We, we operate as a preaching team model. The, the model we use for pastoralship here at Freedom Valley Church is a preaching team. That means there's three of us that we feel God has called and equipped with the gift of communication. So the three of us each preach every month in the series. And you see, what we're doing is we're using our unique talents to connect with as many people as possible. You see, Pastor Jerry, he's the founding pastor of FV Church. Pastor Jerry is gifted in mercy in a way I, I cannot comprehend and understand. His empathy goes beyond just the conversation. He feels the emotions of those he communicates with. He uses an extemporaneous style, which just means he, he goes off the cuff. And he does it so that he can connect in a conversational tone that is something I strive for. He reaches beyond in a relationship way, and it's what people need. And then Pastor Candace, she's our lead pastor. She's setting the vision and direction of our church and, and guiding us to where we need to go. And you know what she does? She's been a kid's pastor for years. And you know what kid's pastors are great at that other pastors lack? Taking the most difficult concepts of Scripture and making them applicable to a child. And if you can do that, you can teach it to anyone. And she takes these deep, deep passages, and she wrestles with them all week long. You, should, you guys can't see the strain and effort she goes through, staying up at nights, going through the concordances, finding the meat of the passage, and then finding a way to tenderize it so that we can all understand it and walk away with it. That gifting is something we need. And then, then I get to have fun with you guys once a month. No, I, I, my goal as a minister is to take concepts and create memorable moments so that you can walk away with it. Like I, I preached a few years back about Finding Nemo, and I still have people say, I remember when you talked about Finding Nemo, and that, that helps me get through stuff. And then a few weeks ago, I, I preached a sermon I, I really liked about the three little pigs like, and, and the concepts that, that they wouldn't build out of crap materials. They would build out of good stuff, and... And that's, that's my goal, to take these, these concepts and package them in memorable ways and, and engage an audience that would be otherwise, like, like where are my ADD people at? Like, that's who I am, and, and that's who I communicate to, because I'm like squirrel, and I need to, I just got to be me, so I'm preaching to people who hear it that way. So we, as a church, cannot allow ourselves to fight over our favorites. We have three communicators here. Three different styles. 
And if we allow style to dictate what we want, we begin fighting over our favorites. And, and here's what Paul is trying to explain. When we fight over our favorites, we create factions that will fracture our faith. Factions, groups assembled together that are breaking up the faith of others by saying, mine is better and I like mine. And, and, and no, I don't get that. And that's not what I want. And it's all about me. And it's not about us because it's, it's what I need right now. That just sounds like a child. And you know what children need more of? Milk. Because if they'll get in their word, they'll realize that God always intended for us to do this together. And Paul continues encouraging individuals in verse 6. I was the one who planted the church, and Apollos came and cared for it. But it was God who caused it to grow. This means that no one who, that the one who plants is not anybody special, nor the one who waters. For God is the one who brings the supernatural growth. Now, the one who plants and the one who waters are equally important and on the same team. We are a team. But each will be rewarded for his own work. We are co-workers with God, and you are God's cultivated garden, the house he is building. God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder. Master builder, like Lego? Anybody? Thank you. Okay. ADD, what am I going to do? A skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterwards, another craftsman comes and builds on it. So builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards. Let me tell you about the team here at Freedom Valley Church. We are a family, a family of farmers. Pastor Jerry, 25 years ago, planted a seed in the ground that has grown up into a healthy church, into a church that spreads all around the globe, a church that reaches out to other churches, a church that has given so selflessly throughout the years that we feel like the giving tree sometimes. It's given our best away for years and years. A tree planted with roots that go down deep. That is what he has created. He's the one who planted. And now Pastor Candace is watering the tree, the one determining the future and health and how it will grow, the one who's looking towards the future. And I'm the scarecrow that keeps the birds away. I'm here, I'm here to tend. That's my job. And the scarecrow thing's a joke. But, but really, I'm the scarecrow. Anyway, I'm here to tend prune and, and guide and help and, and be, be a worker on the field to support what has been planted and what's being watered and to keep it growing. We are a family of farmers. And you know what I know about farmers? There is no one who lives on the farm whose job is not important. From the minute children can work on a farm, they're working on the farm. We need to be a family of farmers, not a faction fighting over favorites dividing ourselves up into groups, but a family working together. Freedom Valley wants to be a church about disciple-making, filled with individuals who have discipled themselves, filled themselves up with pure spiritual milk so that they're ready to pour out into others. And if we can become a church filled with not only disciples, but disciple-makers, those individuals will make more disciples. 
And we can become a factory of faith builders if we'd understand that we're a family of farmers, that no one is more important than anyone else. That if we will stand and say, I'm going to do whatever my part is, and if my part is only standing here and shaking a hand, that's the biggest thing that needs to be done is people need to smile at one another in church. There is nothing worse than walking into a church when I'm visiting and just seeing frowning faces. I expect that at Walmart. I don't expect that when I walk into church because we're here together to worship as a team, selflessly giving of our talents so that others can grow discipling a family of farmers. We each are called to do something. And Paul says, no one is greater. The one who plants isn't greater than the one who waters. And the one who waters isn't greater than the one who plants. The only one who matters is God. Because God makes it grow. If God doesn't want a plant to grow, I bet you it's not gonna. You can fertilize it. You can water it. You can do whatever you want. But that plant is gonna die. Jesus actually walked up to a fig tree one day and he goes to pick a fig off it, and it scratches him, and he starts bleeding, and he finds no figs there. And he goes, you're going to die, tree. They go do what they're doing, and they come back, and the tree is dead. The one who plants and the one who waters doesn't matter. It is God who makes things grow, and he gets all the glory and honor. It is not a single person who steps foot on this stage. So if you fight over your favorites, you're missing the one who matters. And Paul actually goes deeper into this in the next verse. Verse 11. For no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that exists, which is Christ Jesus. I keep doing that. Jesus Christ. No one is empowered to lay another foundation other than Jesus. That's it. There's nothing else that we can do here. You know, the, if you look up the strengths of a, of a team preaching model, look that up on Google. You can read all kinds of articles about how it's so strong. But then look up the opposite, weaknesses of a team preaching model. You know what you'll see? They'll say that it isn't cohesive or connected preaching. It's individuals preaching individual sermons. Let me tell you something about the style here at FB Church. Each and every one of us is different. Jerry preaches in a different style than Candace, and Candace preaches in a different style than I do. But every week, here's what you can expect. The word will be preached, application will be provided, and then an opportunity to receive Jesus will close it. If you've been here more than a couple weeks, you can see that. We open the Bible, we parse it out, we apply it to Jesus, and we give people the chance to respond every week. And you know why our preaching model works? Because every one of us is committed to the message of the gospel above all. It isn't anything about preferences. It is about a perfect Savior. You don't have to wait to the end of a message. You can receive him in a moment. You can decide in your hearts that I will follow you for the rest of my life. And man, do I get excited about that because it's not about me. Individuals will be like, when you preach, it just, oh, it connects to me. Well, that's, that's a shame. You should receive every time you're in church. And, and I have preferences. I'm going to be honest. I, there are communicators that I watch, and I prefer their style. I get a lot out of their style. But then when I focus on style, I'm missing the substance. You know, and, and this is a real shame. When I was younger, I used to say, like, I believe women should be pastors. I just don't receive much from them. And I'd say that a lot. And then I realized it was just because I shut myself down to receiving from the individual. And when I was at college, a woman named Jenny Duncan preached with fire and changed the way I viewed missions and the world. And I opened myself up, and now I receive. When we close ourselves up because of our favorites in style, we set ourselves up for just another Sunday. If you have a favorite communicator, here's what's going to happen. 
oh, no, the, the pulpit's a little lower. It's, it's not Jerry. I just wanted a Jerry sermon today. All right, well, and you sit and you miss out. Or, or here's, here's what could happen. You see a kid's Bible sitting on the stage because Candace, she preaches from her kid's Bible, and it's great. And you'll go, ah, it's a, it's a Candace message. I just really wish it wasn't a woman because I don't really receive from women as much. I think it's great for some people, and they should have it, but I, I just don't get it. And you've made it just another Sunday. And that's why God told me it had to be a part of this series. Because if you allow yourself to create a faction in your heart that clings to a person, you'll miss out on the presence of Jesus Christ. Because no one can lay another foundation on this stage other than Jesus Christ. He laid a perfect foundation. And Paul talks about how we build on that. Let's go to verse 12. The quality of materials anyone uses building on this foundation will soon be made apparent. Whether it has been built with gold, silver, or costly stones, or wood, hay, and straw, their work will soon become evident. For the day will make it clear, because it will be revealed by blazing fire. And the fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. If his work stands the test of the fire, he will be rewarded. If his work is consumed by the fire, he will suffer great loss. Yet he will barely escape destruction, like one being rescued out of a burning building. Here's the problem with preferences. You might prefer gold, but if you try to feed gold to a horse, you're going to kill it. You might prefer beautiful houses made of stone, but if you're trying to build a ship out of stone, it's going to sink. There is one foundation, and it's Jesus Christ. And we will build whatever material we find, the most beautiful house we can. And time will tell if you'll make it stand by feeding it milk, by growing it. Listen, we're going to build with whatever's in front of us. Like, and, and when individuals come up and they're like, man, that was a great sermon. Here's what, here's what I want to say in my heart. I worked with whatever God had in front of me, and I'll continue to do that. It is not my gift. Well, it is my gift, but it's given by him. It isn't, it isn't me. It's, it's what he's provided for me to do, so I'm going to do it. And what, what's a real shame is people don't walk up to others and say, the way you greet children back in kids connects people to church. You are the best in the world at it, and I thank you for what you're doing. If you're going to celebrate the person on the stage, you better find a way to celebrate somebody serving in the cafe. Because they're using their gifts. They are building with what's in front of them. If you're like, well, that's not the gold that I want, then you're missing it. They're building with what they have. And God will make it matter. The building material does matter. But if you're building with the best you have, you're building a house that God has called you to build. You're building with what you have. You're not going, oh, man, I wish I had that gift because if I had that gift, people would, would see how great I am. You realize how much of that was a mistake in that sense? What I have, what I can do, how great I am. Instead of saying, I know what God has called me to do for him, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to throw you out, Mel. I got to. Our kids' ministry is phenomenally blessed. And I'm going to take a moment to praise the person that's blessed us. If you've had your kid come back at the 915 service and you're in the elementary classroom, you know what I'm talking about. Someone who will run up to them, screaming their name and loving them. My kids love church because of the kids' team. Using their gifts for God. Mel serves our kids so amazingly. And no one ever sees it unless their kids are back there. But children are dragging their parents to church 
because she shouts their name when they walk into the building. Can you guys join me in thanking her? She's building with gold out of the straw, serving, because it's not about us. It's not about our preferences. I would prefer, I'm being honest, I would prefer to be able to lead in worship. I think I, think I got the right energy and temperament, and I don't care if people laugh at me, so I'll be up here dancing. That's what I prefer, but it's not what I have. So am I going to build with what I have, or am I going to regret what I don't? Paul goes on to talk about how foolish it would be to build with the wrong materials. Verse 18. So why fool yourselves and live under an illusion? Make no mistake about it. If anyone thinks he is wise by the world's standards, he will be made wiser by being a fool for God. That's why I make a fool of myself. For what the world says is wisdom is actually foolishness in God's eyes. As it is written, the cleverness of know-it-alls becomes a trap that ensnares them. And again, the Lord sees right through the clever reasonings of the wise and knows it's all a sham. You think you know. You think you know what's best. You think you know who's best. You think you know how it's best. You think you know. But the closer I get to God, the more I realize I have no idea. Things I thought forever were one way. He's saying, how could you have missed it? And I got to change. And I got to adapt. And I got I to open myself up to whatever he is saying because I'm following him, not my own intelligence or lack thereof. <laughs> I'll be a fool for God because it means I'm wise in his eyes. You think you know. And, and we often think we know. We, we think we know what's best. For years, the, the model has been, and, and it probably was right for the season, because remember, you don't build a boat out of stone. So I'm sure for the season, the man of God model was what was necessary, that there's an individual that stands, and I will follow my leader. You know what? In South Korea, they have, they have this incredible model that grows the largest church in the world. And you know what that model is? We follow our pastor blindly. And they've tried to replicate that model in other countries, and you know what happens? People rebel against it. Because it's not right for that environment or that time or that season. We're following God as a church into a season where he says, team preaching. I need multiple individuals communicating to multiple individuals. You see, the, the, the kids with ADD, they're not going to listen to the, the, the individual who communicates clearly, slowly, and, and, and comfortably. But he's also saying that I won't allow my people who enjoy the comfortable ease at which a, a communicator can do will be missed. So, so I got to have Jerry and I got to have Jason. And, and there's, there's women who will receive, and there's men who will receive from a woman in a way that cannot be matched by other individuals, so i got to have Candace. And we're going to follow God in that, and we're going to continue to follow him because the wisdom of the world doesn't matter. The wisdom of my God matters. I think I know. How many areas do we think we know what's best for us? We think we know what's best for us, but we have no idea. The things of this world considers wise are foolishness to God. Will you make a fool for yourself? It's fun to have favorites. It's fun to have favorites. And preferences can be good, but when we allow the favoritism to create factions in our own heart, we miss out on the faith that God has in store for us. In verse 21, he says, So don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader. This applies beyond just church. Don't be proud 
Pride comes before a fall. And if you are proud of your allegiance to any human leader, they will fall, fail you, and hurt you. If you pick a favorite here, you will be hurt. If your favorite is anyone other than Jesus, I will fail. Candace will fail. Jerry will fail. We will fail you because we're human leaders. So don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader. For actually, you already have everything. It has all been given to you for your benefit, whether it is Paul or Apollos or Peter the Rock, or whether it is the world or life or death or the, whether the present or the past or the future, everything belongs to you. And now you are joined to the Messiah who is joined to God. And it'll never be just another Sunday. You know why we have everything? You know, you know why we have everything? Because we've got milk. You have everything you need. Everything is laid before you. The minute that you receive Jesus Christ, and if you haven't yet, you can in a moment. The minute you receive it, you have everything. Past present and future, everything you need to succeed. The Holy Spirit will fill you and empower you and you can walk in it. Everything you need. So if you walk into a service and you say, I just didn't feel fed, you have everything you need. Will you drink it? Will you walk in it? Will you let it change you? Will you go get some more? I want some more. I want some more and I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let myself go hungry because my preference wasn't presented. My little kids, man, I want gummy snacks. No, nah, there's, there's mac and cheese. I want gummy snacks. There's perfectly good mac and cheese. I want gummy snacks. How immature is that? Let every weekend be an opportunity for you to receive. Don't think that, that I only receive when, so I'm only going to go when you miss out. You miss out. I receive every weekend here. So should you. So I'm going to give an opportunity for response. And I told you at the beginning that I believe the word of God will apply itself in your hearts in many ways. So I don't know exactly what he spoke to you. I know what he's speaking to me. So we're going to take a second. Providing a place for individuals to receive what God has in store for them. We're going to close our eyes and pray. And you're going to be able to go into his presence. Because you... Have everything you need. And then we're going to have a chance for individuals to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. To change their lives, repent of their sins. But first, would you just take a moment with me? Close your eyes. Bow your heads. Enter into God's presence and receive from the foundation that matters. Not my words. What he speaks to you. The day will make it clear.
because it will be revealed by blazing fire. The fire will test and prove the workmanship of each builder. This wasn't a response in any other service, but I feel like the God's saying to someone, a fire is going to reveal something you've been hiding. The song we sang earlier, there's no mountain he won't climb up, door he won't kick down. The fire will reveal what's hidden. Deal with it now. Deal with it now. Don't let it be exposed. Deal with it now. Heavenly Father, continue to speak. If you're here today and you say, I, I need Jesus. I know I'm a sinner. I'm immature. I lie. I cheat. I steal. I'm, I'm so far from what I know God's called me to, and I, I need to turn away from my past and, and run close to him. If you're watching online and you need to receive Jesus today, if that's you and you're like, I, I need a Savior to forgive me of my past so that I can have a future. I want to spend eternity in heaven. If that's you, would you let me know by raising your hand high, holding it up, keeping it up as a way to reach out to God? I need you, Savior. I need you, Jesus. Forgive me my sins. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you're sitting at the right hand of God waiting for me to come and hug you in heaven. I want to follow you in the best of my ability. I give you my life. From this day forward, forsaking all others, so that it's you and you alone. Now help me find everything I need in you and no one else. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these responses. Help them take the next step of faith so that it is never just another Sunday. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I-N-N. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. Hey everybody, welcome to Home Groups, where we apply the message we heard this weekend at FV Church. This weekend, I spoke in the final week of our Never Just Another Sunday sermon series, talking about how we can't allow individual speakers or communicators or pastors to become our source, our reason, our North Star, that it can't be just about them, it has to be about Jesus. Right, we can have people in our lives that we look up to and sort of model our lives after, but that can only go so far. Pastors are human beings. Now, they shouldn't have huge gaping sins in their life, big hypocritical things. But you also have to understand we're human, Mm -hmm. right? We're more young and inexperienced than some other pastors, which on the upside means we're more passionate. We try harder, (laughs) things like that. Energetic. Inexperience comes with that too. And we make mistakes sometimes. Older pastors have the flip side of that. They have more experience in it, that they're Mm -hmm. um, more qualified and all of that, but they also could fall into just going through the motions and that sort of thing. There's there's strengths and weaknesses to every single season of ministry. And you have to understand that to a certain degree. And also that that we're human, right? And, And to follow us 
should only go so far and that you're ultimately following Jesus. And when you're a new follower of Jesus, you need to fill yourself with as much of him as possible. It's, you need to take in and take in and take in. And uh, A human being can only pour so much out to you. You know, if you're only being fed by a pastor, if you're only receiving from them, you're only getting a, a taste of what God has in store for you. You need to be filling yourself up with his word. You know, quantity is important here. Get as much of the Bible in as you can. Spend as much time in prayer as you can. Go to multiple sources, not just one, so that you can fill yourself. And then as you grow in maturity, you're able to streamline that into exactly what God has for you for whatever season you're in. This is discipleship. And we're going into a season where being a disciple and helping make disciples is going to become core and central to what we do at FB Church. Yeah, you should be owning your own faith, but also pouring into people around you. It's not just the pastor's yeah. job or your home group leader's job to pray over you and mm -hmm. pour into you and know everything about the word. You should also be looking at the people around you saying, how can I help them yeah. along? How can we have some real honest discussions about where they're at? How can I look at them as a disciple of Jesus that I can help pull along with me? If you want to grow in your faith, find a way to teach someone something about God. So important. Because if you're owning it enough to teach it, it's inside you. Mm -hmm. So the questions we want to ask tonight are, are you, you know, drinking that milk? Are you getting enough of God in? Are you following only Jesus or focusing too much on an individual? And are you making disciples? Are you taking active steps to disciple yourself so that you can help disciple others? Yeah. Have a great discussion, guys. We'll see you next week.